0: Civil danger warning.
1: A disaster of
2: unknown type has occurred.
0: Normal programming has been suspended.
2: Gary. Gary, have you plugged in the fog? This is not a test. OK, let's get going. This is Free Yorkshire Radio. Hello, and welcome to Free Yorkshire Radio. Gary has found an old memory stick containing something called a YouTube video where a man with the most peculiar looking beard is explaining how Peter Jackson should have actually included Tom Bombadil and all his singing in the adaptation of Lord of the Rings, whatever that is. And we're now showing it to a small select audience. And as their will to live slowly drains from their bodies, we can divert their life force into our batteries and... Yes. We now should have enough power for the show. My name, of course, is Lloyd Becklesnip, and we'll be bringing you all the latest government-approved news and stories from the glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire, the mightiest of the many new nation-states that, several decades ago, emerged from the troubled era that was early 21st century Britain. In this episode, we return to Londinium for a guided tour from Carsten Vale as we meet a pearly queen, a bridge punk, and the crows from the Tower, and we have a chat with Rhys Michael Bates, who runs the mobile food van, the traveling tuna. But first, as we're returning to one of the largest cities on this island for this episode, we thought we'd remind you of some of our tips and tricks for visiting the other major metropolises. Glasgow, the current risk level indicator has been changed to orange, but that's mainly because of all the iron brew that's been spilled on it. If you are planning a visit, please remember to don your hermetically-sealed and air-conditioned tinfoil jumpsuit in case anyone tries to deep-fry you. Liverpool. Now that the Scouse language has completely devolved into just guttural throat noises, please remember to bring a tub of three-month-old yoghurt in case you're not able to produce enough of your own phlegm to blend in with the locals. (music) Newcastle. The wearing of any coats, jackets, or cardigans between October and November is still a capital crime, punishable by death. And if you can't distinguish between Ant and deck at the border, then you will be denied entry. Doncaster. As we all know, some time ago, Doncaster was wiped from the face of the earth, and we're just glad to remind you that it still doesn't exist. So now, it's time for our return to Londinium. This time, I want to visit the city myself. We're all aware that Londinium floats on a spinning disc a mile above the ground for tax purposes. But what can the typical visitor expect to come across? I met up with tour guide Carsten Vale as he showed me around the city.
1: You're listening to Free Yorkshire Radio.
2: And as I soak up the sounds of Londinium town... I'm approaching my guide for the day, a Mr. Carsten Vale. Carsten, welcome to the show.
3: And welcome to Londinium. My name is Carsten Vale. Oh, I must say, I feel in safe
2: hands already. You've obviously been doing this job for quite a while. You seem very experienced.
3: Oh, many, many hours, possibly even days at this point. I am quite the expert in Londinium.
2: Where do you draw your expertise from then?
3: From facts, from information, from knowledge.
2: Well, I mean, if these facts came from the internet, there's probably only a 50-50 chance that they are facts. Are you actually gleaning any facts from real life or from your experience?
3: I am gleaming from the world around me. I observe, I educate myself. I am self-taught, of course.
2: Given the price of education in Londonium now, 90% of people are self-taught. It's very expensive, yes. Well, the tax breaks alone for teaching yourself are quite generous these days, so it makes sense. And with the fees in Londinium now being 450,000 and the student loan still only nine grand, there's a bit of disparity in the educational opportunities for those in Londinium compared to the rest of the country.
3: Well, I see you're an educated man yourself, Floyd. Many facts at your behest also.
2: I come from the glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire. We take our education very seriously up
3: there. Yes, well, you'll find we do things a little bit differently here in Londinium.
2: Well, I must say it's a bit of a culture shock. We have covered the city before, but this is my first time visiting the spinning disc in the sky. And it's not just the constant revolving that's made me queasy and a little bit sick. It's just so different.
3: Yes, one adjusts after a while to the noises, the various smells, odours, the general musk of the city.
2: Yes, well, let's get to the city itself then. I'm dying to get a look around it and maybe some of the streets are a little bit less musky. Is there any less musky streets that we could hit first?
3: Good Lord, no. We're actually on one of the less musky streets. This will only increase from here.
2: Okay, well, thanks for the warning. So, what have you got
3: for me first? Well, where else can we start but with this distinctive... Red chamber, notice its square floor shape, its distinctive domed roof, this hinged door, which I'm opening now for your perusal of the interior of the chamber. Mm-hmm. I take it you know what this is? Uh, is it a public lavatory? It does smell like a public lavatory, absolutely. But as far as my facts have been able to educate me, this would once have been a home for a family of up to 15 people. Considered quite spacious back in the day, a very populated city.
2: OK, and how would the people have been stacked in an accommodation like this? Because there's no way they're all standing.
3: Well, rumours tell of a great challenge, a great gladiatorial sport that once existed by the name of Tetris. Mm-hmm. And we believe this was derived from the way in which people would have to formulate into various shapes, an L, a T, or some kind of square, in order to fit inside one of these dwelling ponds. I see,
2: I see. And once you get a layer of human contortionists on the floor, they all disappear. That's right. Leaving more room for the next. So it's just a continual flow of people.
3: They slowly descend down from the top and try as, as fit as best as possible. And yes, w- would be very quickly disappeared once they have contorted and tessellated correctly. Oh, I
2: can I can hear. Are those crows I can hear? Are,
3: are we approaching some sort of aviary? Ah, well, these birds have escaped from the Tower of London, one assumes. Uh, I say, are these birds
0: yours? Ah, well, yes, you could say so. But I myself am human-crow hybrid. Mother was a crow, father was a human. Caw-caw! Caw-featherbridge at your service.
3: Yes, these human crow hybrids, there's, there's a lot of them about these days. Hmm, fascinating. They've basically
2: taken over the place. Okay, so when they said that the crows and the ravens would never leave the Tower of London, I didn't know that they were going to start interbreeding with the employees of the Tower of London. This is fascinating. Does this give you a special insight into how the crows and ravens work at the Tower? Are you able to communicate with them more directly?
0: Cool. Well. Where- I am the ringleader, if you will. I'm the special one, the precious, the most loved of all. I have two muscular legs that you can see. I've obviously done lots of squats. And these beautiful winged arms, which I flap through the sky. I can't fly as high as my brethren that are purer of avian blood. But I can do stairs. They hop not very well. But I do not defecate upon everything I come across. I'm much more than that Coca I do it in a bird toilet Co
2: oh so you have a bird toilet as well it's not just a bird bath you've got the whole bird bathroom
0: yes
2: bird toilet bird be day
0: well we call it bird day <laughs> just a little bit of avian human hybrid humor Co
2: and so Carsten what facts can you tell me about core Pretherbridge's flock of crows?
3: Well, as you uh, insinuated yourself, Lloyd, there have always been ravens in the Tower of London. And it was once said that should they ever leave, then England would fall. And um, that's one of the things that happened. What's England? Oh, of course. Well, I once found a children's book from a long, long time ago about a small child who visited London, as they used to call it in the olden days. Mm-hmm. And England was a kind of a loose collection of different states of which London was the capital at one time. But it disintegrated following the departures of the Ravens from the Tower of London. It turned out to be a terrible premonition which came through.
0: Cor, oh, Cor, oh, oh, sorry. We- Present that inference. We'd never been on holiday, Coco, and we wanted to go to Corfu. We wanted to go and sun ourselves and our feathers. We merely went away for a moment, Coco, and you idiots, the humans, decided you'd ruin everything, Coco.
3: I feel I should ask at this point when you said you wanted to go on holiday to Corfu, is this another bit of bird based wordplay?
0: <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Uh, we meant Cornwall. We don't have any passports. <laughs> Corcor.
3: Yes, yes. They'll only go to places with core in the name. I'm, I'm. It's tedious, and they're, uh, they're not to be
0: trusted. Corcor. Excuse me, Carsten. Not to be trusted. You went out with my cousin, and that's why you've got such a bad opinion of us. Corcor.
3: Now, now, I want want it to be known that your cousin is closer to the human end of the human-bird hybrid scale. I want that to be on record.
2: It didn't work out. Is that what I'm inferring, Karsten? You weren't birds of a feather.
3: Oh, it's catching. The wordplay is catching. No, it didn't work out. No, I was in uh, in love with Lydia for a long time. We were married for 16 years, but uh, it was the wordplay. It ended everything. It was a lot of bird-based puns, and I... I can tolerate only so much.
0: Coco, Now, that's not what Lydia said. Lydia said you'd leave your socks all over the floor, you'd leave your jerky jodhpurs, that obviously are de rigueur, all over the bathroom, and you used to defecate in the corner! Coco
3: Now, my jerky jodhpurs are none of anyone's concern. The marriage ended for one simple reason. Bird-based wordplay, you know, she'd say things like, oh, oh, should we ask for the bill? It doesn't even work. Ducks have bills. It doesn't even function as wordplay.
0: Coco, you're a talon-less hack.
3: I feel like you're reaching.
0: Yes, that one was a bit of a reach, I will admit. But you're just jealous and you've been wearing those grey jock pants eating pizza for years. Get over it, you sad sack. Coco!
3: All I can say to you, Lord, is never, never marry... A bird-human hybrid for 16 years, unless you are very into bird-based humour.
0: You're listening to Free
2: Yorkshire Radio. What a fascinating tour that was. And we'll be back with Carsten to complete seeing the sights of Londinium later in the programme. But now it's time to give you the latest on the culinary delights that often pass through the glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire. This week, we talked to Rhys Michael Bates, who runs the mobile food van known simply as The Travelling Tuna. We caught up with him at Skelmanthorpe Market. And yes, here I am now at Skelmanthorpe Market, enjoying the smells, the sounds, the sights. And even the tastes as the odd bit of food flies through the air from the various food trucks and stalls that are peppered around the market with various people crowded around them. But the one with the longest queue, a massive queue, people milling around it, is the new sensation of Skelmanthorpe Market. It is the food truck, the Travelling Tuna. And I'm delighted to say I'm going to have a chat with the Travelling Tuna's owner, Mr. Reese Michael Bates. Mr. Bates, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome on to Free Yorkshire Radio. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honour. That's what it is. It's an honour to be on this show. Well, we're all about promoting business in Yorkshire, and we're all about promoting enterprise. But you have a, a slightly different take, because you are promoting business and enterprise, but you are bringing food from outside of Yorkshire into Yorkshire this is quite a daring thing for a food truck to do do you mind me asking what was your inspiration about setting up this particular type of food truck well me
1: personally I do like to travel and so when things became sort of fractured just became difficult didn't it you know moving food from here to there and I'm going to be the one to bring food to different places to different people so that we can maybe one day, just be all together again. Do you know what I mean?
2: Well, yes, that's an admirable policy to have, but obviously you talked about the difficulties of moving between the various states. And it's not just export-import, is it? You've got minefields to navigate, there's various ravines that have been caused by the earthquakes of 37 and navigating the sniper alley of Lancashire and all this area. What amendments have you made to your truck to help you navigate these challenges? Well, what you don't see here at you know, the food truck
1: is that I do have a security team. I do have my own security detail that's around me at all times, making sure that if there aren't any assailants, any ambushes, anything of the sort, it's handled. And yes, there have been a few, I'm just gonna say, there's been a few deaths. Mm-hmm. Some of them even by my hand. But, well, I, you know, I have to do it. If I'm gonna be able to continue providing this service, then the only way I can do that is to stay alive. And if people are coming to me, trying to take my life, the only way out is to take theirs. And that really inspires some of the food, in fact. You know, the strife. That sometimes I go through, I end up putting that into my dishes. I don't put people into the dishes.
2: <laughs> no, no, but <laughs> you can tell from the menu, I mean, one of your best-selling items is grotted mackerel. Is that one of your favoured assassination moves? Are you a dab hand with a, a wire cable? I actually am. Do
1: you remember those cake wires that they have? And you could put it over the cake and it just cuts the cake into like 20 pieces.
2: I remember when we used to have cakes. So a lot of those cake wires have now been repurposed for the military. So you've become a dab hand. I had no choice, did I? I had
1: no choice. So that then meant that, yes, this whole truck is, I don't know if you can tell, it is armored. It's very heavily metal. I don't know the specific terms I'm a chef. I just know that it's metal, know that the windows are triple
2: glazed or whatever, and that when people shoot at me, it doesn't get in. You leave the details to your security team whilst you keep cooking under attack because you've got quite the menu there i'm presuming you're cooking pretty much all the time regardless of whether you're under attack or not that's true lloyd you know i'm cooking all the time are there any dishes actually that you prefer cooking whilst you're under attack because i can imagine if you're going to flash fry something having a bit of crossfire is just gonna really get you into the vibe of it
1: I do like to make soups. I find them a bit of a challenge. You know, if you're moving around, the vehicles shake and explosions are happening. And the soup, it really moves it. Do you know what I mean? It really shakes it up in a way that you just can't do in a stationary building.
2: Yes, and if any of the attackers breach the perimeter and you have to finish them off, any bits and bobs that come off them could just fall into the soup and you can just blend them in. I do actually have a gumbo,
1: I call it. Dumbo. Exactly. Nice. That includes sometimes a bit of shrapnel in there, a bit of gunpowder, or maybe a shell of a bullet, something like that. But all of that movement, it brings it together. You don't taste all of the individual
2: stuff yet. You, you taste mm-hmm. the experience. Yes, you get a taste of battle. Actually, that's your tagline on your bus, the travelling tuna, a taste of battle. So you're bringing that flavour of shrapnel, that flavour of Semtex, and that flavor of bleeding wounds to your culinary delights
1: and this is the thing you know i picked up welsh rabbit that you call it but then by the time i got back well what was it it wasn't welsh rabbit anymore do you know what i mean because of all of the commotion
2: so that's then when i pivoted and it became a taste of battle so it's like you're taking all the cultures and menus from around the country and blending them through the art of war into a new fusion Cuisine. I like to give people a taste of basil. Yes, yes. Alongside that,
1: you know, one or two members of the security detail, they bring in their guns and let some of the customers just shoot something. Because sometimes, like I was saying with the shrapnel and whatnot getting into the soup, it's kind of like seasoning, isn't it? So sometimes I give people a gun and sort of say, this is our version of salt. Oh, so they
2: just shoot the dish. Yeah, exactly. Just shoot your dish. To taste oh you've got salt bullets yeah so you've got salt and pepper bullets so anything a bit spicier you know like a tabasco armalite or a cayenne pepper howitzer yes that's where the grenades come in ah uh, yes a taste explosion exactly what works best in the grenade because it's going to infuse every fiber of the dish if you explode a grenade of say turmeric or cumin in the middle of a dish well you end up actually having to have something not
1: quite too strong so if you put something that's quite strong let's say cinnamon you know if you have a lot of cinnamon it could be a bit much okay you have something just a little bit of salt maybe a bit of parsley
2: yes or cress even cress yes do you notice that different dishes sell differently in different areas of the country i mean is there something that's popular in yorkshire that wasn't so popular elsewhere yeah of course You know, I
1: grew up in Manchester. They do prefer, well, food that's been shot at. Okay. Food that's been hit at by a projectile of some sort. Yes. That tends to give longer lasting flavours. Do you know what I mean? Whereas here in Yorkshire, they quite like the taste of things that have experienced physical violence
2: directly. So what are we talking here? So food that has been physically beaten. Stabbed, whipped, being punched with a knuckle duster just a general good kicking or grotted yes yes the grotted mackerels going down are you happy to grot anything or does the grotting work with certain types of species when it
1: comes to fish grotting just works beautifully and that's what's going down very well here in
2: yorkshire obviously most of the fish now have two to three heads generally So are you able to garrot them in one fell swoop or do you garrot each head individually? Oh you have to do it in a fell swoop. I suppose they get a bit narky if you garrot one of their heads they're going to turn on you.
1: Yeah and you know the flesh of the fish it starts oxidising doesn't it? So you want it dead as quickly as possible and in the pot. So you
2: take dishes from around the country and bring them to Yorkshire. What are the dishes that you've discovered in Yorkshire that you're now taking to the rest of the country and is there any particular Yorkshire dish that's gone over particularly well abroad? Well, there was one that was a take on shepherd's pie. Obviously, the shepherds in Yorkshire mainly shepherd swamp mongrels, so that's going to taste a bit different. Well, this is it. The shepherd's pie itself is made from...
1: (laughs) It's quite interesting because the people of Yorkshire are quite insular you know they ate everybody so it's actually made from the skin of those who have wronged them ah, a vengeance dish it's quite the delicacy it's very difficult to come by
2: because it does mean committing murder which not everybody is particularly comfortable with most people are though these days, a good 90% take up for murdering people in Yorkshire. We're, you know, a practical people and we're living in difficult times. Like you said yourself, you've killed many a person in order to defend your business and no one's blinked an eye at your approach in Yorkshire because we understand what's really going on. Well, you've got to be careful. I took this very same story
1: down to Milton Keynes. They did not take kindly. Apparently, they still
2: have a few laws down there. They still have laws and Milton Keynes. Oh, God, I knew they were backward, but I didn't realise it was that bad. Honestly, it was the strangest thing I'd ever...
1: I, I just couldn't couldn't stay there long at all. I almost got arrested, put in jail.
2: What, they arrest people? So backward. It is very backwards. could not deal with it. That's crazy sounding. So just to wrap up, obviously... We still didn't find out why you're called the Travelling Tuna. Tuna was just a dish I ate growing up, wasn't it? Simple, to the
1: tuna, put it in a sandwich, maybe a bit of mayonnaise. And I'm travelling. It's that
2: simple. And I've heard you like to catch your own tuna. You wrestle them yourself out of the sea, regardless of their size. It can get up to £2,000 these days, but you still like to do it the old way. You don't have a line, you don't have a net. you just got some scuba gear and a rope tied to you and they just fling you off the boat and you just seek out your own tuna. Is there a knack for honing in on a tuna? I think
1: the main thing to remember about tuna these days at least they can actually smell fear. So if you go in that water and you're in any way kind of nervous or apprehensive about what you're doing then they're going to swarm you and they're going to eat you. You have to go in with the mindset that you are the predator. You're the alpha tuna. The apex. Mm-hmm. And once you're in that water you've got that attitude honestly there was one time i went down in that water and they just swam into my hands
2: because they could just tell i have that vibe that attitude do you know what i mean wow that's inspiring stuff for all our potential little chefs listening out there if you want to get to where reese michael bates is you've got to be able to stare down a tuna so hard that it just flops into your hands. Uh, we wish you the best of luck with your further culinary travels. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today, Mr Bates. Thanks for seeing me, Lloyd. Yo, what's
3: up? You're
2: listening to Free Yorkshire Radio. Well, if the travelling tuna is passing near your domicile, then you know you're in for a taste sensation. Oh, it looks like the lifeless cadavers from our YouTube experiment are now being zombified by the neckbeard's interminable drowning about Lord of the Rings. Bombadil, bombadil. Yes, I can hear them starting to chant, "Bomba dill, bomba dill." But if we're quick, I think we've just got enough time to return to London and let Carsten Vale complete his guided tour. What do you have lined up for us next, Carsten?
3: Well, what we can see here, as I'm sure you'll recognise, is the remnants of what was once the Great River Thames. Mm Mm-hmm. Mostly dried up at this point. It hasn't adjusted well to the spinning centrifugal nature of modern Londinium, but in times gone by, people would plumb the depths of the river to find pearls, clams, precious treasures, Many of these were found, and the pearly kings and pearly queens would walk the banks looking for these sunken jewels.
2: Well, yes, they used to, but since the radiation effect has made most of the pearls sentient and formed their own society, the very idea of wearing a jacket full of pearls is now seen as some sort of genocidal intrusion.
3: Oh yes, the pearl society in many ways functions better than ours. They're very, very well organized. Have you ever been to a pearl dinner party?
2: I have, yes. Delightful. The manners of royalty mixed with the cooking skills of a Michelin-starred restaurant. It was a delightful evening.
3: I must confess, I made quite the faux pas. I accidentally turned my back upon a pearl at one point and was very politely asked to leave. But the brief time I was there, it was a level of erudition that I've rarely found outside of, well, outside of my own head.
2: And so these Londoners or Londiniumers
3: londinium
2: londinimus primarily from east endium so are any of these people still around or have they been swept into the bucket of history
3: some of them are still around they are clinging on to the phrase east end even though the rotating nature of londinium makes concepts such as east increasingly redundant but they're very proud of that heritage they say there was a bell in old London town and if you could hear that bell ringing, that meant you were a true knee was the term they used to refer to themselves by. I think it's a, some kind of mutation reference as far as I'm aware.
2: Right. I'm sorry, is this, is this actually one of them approaching us now? Oh, good Lord.
0: Oh, I have a banana.
2: She's singing gibberish. What's a banana?
3: Made sound like gibberish, but this is a reference to the great and noble foodstuff from old London town. We believe it was some kind of meat, mm-hmm. delicious kind of meat from a, a very long-necked animal that was known as the banana. Right, right.
2: So, madam, I'm Lloyd Becklesnip. I'm from Free Yorkshire Radio. I was wondering if we could have a moment of your time. Uh, you're one of the old. I'm, I'm fr- sorry, I'm not familiar with the lingo. How would you refer to yourself?
0: I'm a jolly old knee cock, doing the knee cock walk. <laughs>
3: sorry,
2: Carson, you're going to have to translate. I didn't understand a word of that.
3: Ah, what was said was a reference to doing the, the jolly knee cock walk. It's a reference to the way that people would perambulate in old London town. Very carefully, you have to keep the knee cock safe at all times. you would brushing against things it'd be terribly unhygienic
2: hmm Maybe you could translate for us if you can ask the lady how long she's been doing the knee walk.
3: I'm not fully fluent, but I will do my best. I say, old china, apples and pears, dog and bone...
0: Oh, yeah, me old plate to me. Oh, Ruby Murray. I'll tell you this for nothing. I've been doing the knee cock walk since I was they eye to a grasshopper. A knee cock, for those of you who don't know, your mate looks like he ain't from around here. He's got one of them exciting accents from outside of Londinium, a timbre I've not heard in time since. It's when you've got upon your knees big, fleshy protrusions, red bits like a little cockerel. That's what a knee cock is, and I'm walking like one. Flip, flap, flip, flop, watch me knee cock go. <laughs>
3: yes. What that meant was she didn't understand my question. Okay,
2: yes. It's fascinating to see someone who's incapable of communicating with their fellow men and women, but they still seem jolly. They seem happy in their ignorance.
3: Yes, quite happy with their lot. I can try again. Anything else you'd like to ask? If
2: it's not too controversial, can we broach the subject of the many pearls she has on her jacket? Some of them look... Quite recent, she's basically wearing the corpses of one of our more civilized companions.
3: Oh, yes. It's a veritable aristocratic graveyard she has upon her person. Now listen here, mate. Old Joanna, trouble and strife, plates of meat, septic tank. Do you understand me?
0: You talking about my septic tank for? You have been speaking to my neighbour Charlotte? Oh, she said, I got a stinky old u-bend. Well, I tell you what, her husband's treating on her with one of them human bird hybrids. But enough about that. Let me tell you about my jacket. And on top of that, is your mate having a giraffe? Is he having a bubble? I've seen him looking at me like he thinks I'm from another planet. Come on, mate. What I'm going to tell you is this. I have got a jacket on, it is full of pearls. Oh, the pearls, they're good, they're kind, they're nice, they're refined. You think again, they killed my family. They're like the sirens of the Thames. They sit there on the bank, singing their song. Ooh, come in, ooh. They draw you down into the mud, and they shove mud into your very soul. And then they have a lovely dinner party where they eat people like me. If you've been to one of their dinner parties, you've consumed the flesh of my brethren. Oi, oi.
2: Well, Carson, she seems to be getting quite agitated. Are you sure we're safe? I can see what looks like a fishy snake protruding from her pocket. Is it jellied?
3: Yes, it has been jellied. That's a bad sign. We should run. They're emerging from her hat as well. Her
2: whole hair is made of jellied it. We, we need to move on. We need to move on. It's a
3: classic Medusa situation,
2: and we should leave. OK, let's, uh... OK. I think we've managed to lose her. And we're on one of the bridges. Over what's left of the Thames.
3: That's right, this is what they used to call Old Londinium Bridge.
2: Okay, and is it safe to cross here?
3: Relatively, yes.
2: Well, let's get to the other side. There seems to be just someone with a ridge of hair. Ridge of pink hair. Is that oh. one of the London fashions?
3: Oh no, yes, I, I feared this might happen as well. How goes it?
0: Oh, hello. I. I'm a Camden Bridge punk, perfectly upright, never kinky. (laughs) Want a picture?
2: Oh, they're offering pictures, that sounds
3: lovely. I wouldn't take the picture, that's a trap. It's likely we'll have to answer her riddles three
0: There are riddles I have thrice If you answer them I might be nice If you get them wrong you will be gone And you will have to listen to my gong
3: I wouldn't worry, they only know about five riddles And I've heard most of them before So we should be okay Tell us your first riddle, punk
0: What smells like poo and looks like poo Do
3: you want to have a go at this one, Lloyd? I don't want to spoil the answers for you Is it, is it poo?
0: Oh, damn it, you got it right.
3: Very well done. A smart man, an educated man.
0: Listen, now you have been beckoned, you'll never ever get the second. What tastes like poo and looks like poo?
3: I can take this one if you'd like to, Lloyd, but by all means, give it a shot. You know, I want you to have the full experience. This should be a team effort. You take this one. Listen, punk, the answer is poo.
0: <gasps> no! Dastardly creatures upon my bridge! Once more you have thwarted me, but do not fear, the third is the turt the best. What has a brown, pooey appearance? And what do you deposit in a toilet in historical London town?
2: Oh, I, uh, um, is it a, is it a slightly melted Twix?
0: <laughs> I have taken you downtown with my riddles. You are wrong.
3: I'm sorry, Lloyd. It was a good shout, but um, uh. So I have to take photos with this punk now? I'm afraid there's nothing I can do to help you. You are going to have to take at least one photo with this punk, and I can only apologise for what will inch you.
0: We don't have none of them devil devices that steal your soul in the plastic body they're in. No, for photos taking, my brother Archibald over here must draw us in the finest quill and oil. It is a lengthy process, for oil paints take a long time to dry, layer upon layer.
3: Yes, completely harmless, but it will take several hours.
2: Well, I've got a train to get back to Yorkshire. It's, It's the only one running this week, if I don't catch it
3: there's one possibility we can try basically just push them over the side of the bridge okay
2: yeah we're familiar with that technique in yorkshire
3: you know the technique the old bridge push we
2: tend to push from towers in yorkshire but i'm presuming that the basics are much the same
3: more or less i will try and keep the punk distracted while you attempt your push now then punk you don't own this bridge and you don't own us we will fight you on the beaches, well, we won't fight you on the beaches, we will fight in the air, well, we, 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 we won't really fight you there, rather. We'll, we will fight you. Go! Go, Lloyd! Look, look over there, there's a safety pin shop having a sale.
0: Oh, what? Oh,
2: you! Thanks, Carson Good work, Lloyd. Well, that was a fascinating tour of Londinium. I'm sure our listeners learned all the things to come and see and probably a few to avoid if they ever have the pleasure of visiting your fine city.
3: What a pleasure it will be for them.
0: This is Free Yorkshire Radio.
2: Ah, yes. Unfortunately, our YouTube viewers have now gone full zombie. Gary, can you call the zombie containment unit? We don't want yet another outbreak plaguing the area. Oh, and I've been bitten, so I guess that's the end of another show. Cheerio, and until next time, may all your brews be strong, may all your puddings be fettled, and may all your swamp mongrels be radiation-free. Tara, And also, please like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Communications like and subscribe. Have been severely like and disrupted. subscribe.
3: Like and subscribe.
2: Make sure you have like food, and water, and a battery-powered radio with you.
0: This is not a test.
2: Hi, thanks for listening. I'm Noel Curry, and this show featured Francesca Reed as various Londinium inhabitants, Robert Frimston as Karsten Vale, and Edgy Asigwe as Reese Michael Bates. You can find out more about these wonderful improvisers in the episode notes. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Free York's Radio. We'll be back next month, but if you enjoyed this, then you know what to do. Please subscribe, share, rate and review. Thanks.